Welcome to Extraordinary Joes, where we tell the extraordinary stories of ordinary people, just like you and me. Each week, we'll sit down with a special guest and hear the story of their life, career, and lessons they've learned along the way. After spending some time with our guest, you just might realize that your next extraordinary story is well within reach. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get started. Today's episode of Extraordinary Joes is brought to you by The Tent Guys. The Tent Guys currently offers beach tents and chairs, towels, coolers, cornhole, and sand toys. Everything you need to have a great day at the beach and stay out of the sun. Tent Guys sets up your equipment by 9 a.m. each day and picks it up at 5, giving you a full day at the beach without the hassle of lugging that heavy equipment to the beach and allowing you just to enjoy your time with your family. The Tent Guys also offers tables, chairs, and tent rentals for your next small event. So if you've got an anniversary coming up, Christmas party, or any other type of small celebration where you'd like some tent coverage, tables, or chairs, please reach out to The Tent Guys at www.thetentguyssi.com. Now on with the show. Mark, thanks so much for joining us on Extraordinary Joe's. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. Hey, we're going to dive right in with our uh, rapid fire to uh, just kind of warm things up and uh, let the guests get a feel for some of your strong opinions. Brian, I don't know if you know about warm-ups, but you're not supposed to dive into warm-ups. Oh, we're, we're jumping right in. It's like the okay. polar plunge. Is it? All right, Mark, if you could go back in time and change one thing in history or in your life, what would it be? Oh, gosh, man, you really are getting right we're, into these. Yeah, diving um, right in. Change one thing in history. Okay, one time I was driving down the road at the age of 16, and I was in my mom's minivan, which was the car that uh, I was forced to drive as a teenager. And contrary to public opinion, uh, minivans at some point weren't as cool as they are now. So in order to make myself look cooler, I decided I'd put my left foot um, out the driver's side window uh, to make yes. it look like I was, uh, I guess, cooler. Totally. Um, unbeknownst to me, my next-door neighbor was driving behind me. So uh, it was the first and last time I tried that. I'd probably go back and make sure there were zero attempts at that. <laughs> All right, Chick-fil-A sandwich or Popeye's chicken sandwich? Oof, I have never had Popeye's, um, and I know that there's, uh, I'm going to get catch a lot of flack for this, but um, I have to go with Chick-fil-A by default. Um, not to mention the Chick-fil-A app has allowed me to accrue uh, enough Chick-fil-A points through my <laughs> business that I could probably eat nothing but Chick-fil-A for six months and, and not run out of points. All right, animal or creature that you most fear? animal or creature that I most fear. Um, I've got Dwight Schrute in the back of my head saying, sure uh, you, <laughs> you know, a lot of different answers, but, um, I've heard honey badgers, although they're small and cute looking, uh, are one of the most uh, dangerous animals on earth. And there's something that sometimes, uh, scares me about small packages that are, that are powerful. So, so I would say a honey never badger. I've seen one, but you're, fr- you're definitely afraid of them. Yeah. Well, think about it. I've never seen one. I'm still alive. <laughs> okay. All right. Favorite childhood TV show? Uh, Bobby's World. Did you ever watch it? 
cartoon Bobby, was with it, it was cartoon right and he it was a bobby little, uh, generic yeah is that right? and he, then he would yeah he would change their he, they would say bobby generic and he would say it's generic and i didn't really get the idea that generic versus generic but yeah. um now that i'm an adult i appreciate it yeah it was i think it was probably my favorite bobby's world close second was uh saved by the bell in a different stage of my childhood yeah. that was also a show that i was able to escape reality too <laughs> all right uh maverick goose or iceman now if there's gonna be a lot of uh movie questions on this you're not gonna have a lot of respect for me after i i can honestly say i've never seen top gun Ooh, Mark. yeah i know i think they're about to come out with a sequel you should see the well, first one. I can assure you I will not see the sequel either. <laughs> all right. Uh, How are they going to come out with a sequel? Didn't didn't they all die? Isn't that the whole... Uh, no, only only Goose died. Goose died. So clearly Goose won't be in the sequel. pretty tragic. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Sorry, kid. Check it out. All right. Um, last concert you attended. Uh, my wife and I are huge fans of Dave Matthews. And so uh, we like to attend a lot of concerts. But each summer we try to... Uh, see dave on one of his two night shows so this past july he was in uh, west palm beach for two nights consecutive nights we went down there and went to both shows do you, you just call him dave uh, did i i don't Is think so i think i said did? dave matthews man didn't i you did i say you to hear dave that's yeah, fine i I'm just sorry. wondered yeah, well, look, like i've tried there. there's also a lot of his uh loyalists called like dmb and stuff I, again you know me well enough to know i i uh, teeter on the line of trying not to sound hip because I know it doesn't come across well. So I, I usually give him the full name, Dave Matthews. Band, okay. but, um, All right, cool. Uh, turkey or ham? Absolutely ham. Really? Yeah. I don't think there's much that beats a honey-baked ham. Uh, Although literally I gotta be honest, the company honey-baked ham or a ham that has just been honey-baked? Uh, well, I've only ever had it from the company. Uh, what do y'all yeah. do for that? Do you buy honey-baked ham for Thanksgiving? Well, I did. I smoked a turkey um, because... Uh, again, there were 15 people here, and I just can't have Thanksgiving without a turkey because sure. people are going to find something to complain about, and it's not going to be my turkey. So <laughs> I smoked a turkey, but um, I also got a honey-baked ham. So. All Mark wants for Christmas is? Peace on Earth, goodwill to, to man. Is that? It's, yeah. There's no wrong answers in the uh, rapid fire, except for your Top Gun answer. That <laughs> okay. All right, Mark, uh, thanks for playing along uh, so we're going to jump right in and uh, after the rapid fire we'll just tell our listeners a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do uh, who I am and what I do for a living or what yeah. I do like Saturday yeah, morning whatever okay. you want this is your show okay. oof uh, to the listeners out there I apologize that this is my show I, I was under the impression <laughs> this was Brian's show and I was just here to hang out but um, my name is Mark Eisenhower I uh, live in Atlanta Georgia um, and my wife and I own a company, uh, we plan student travel. So, um, usually when I tell people what we do, they kind of look at me and they go, poor guy, you, you know, that must be a part-time job or you must not really work or, but essentially what we do is, uh, we, teachers will call us uh, wanting to take their students on day and overnight field trips. Um, and sometimes the logistics on large trips, um, can be a little bit cumbersome to a teacher that doesn't have much free time in the day as it is. Um, so they'll reach out to us and, uh, we'll talk them through the itinerary, and then we go about planning the trip from getting buses to hotels to scheduling all the sites, to making sure meals are, are, are adequate. Um, and then we actually attend the trip and act as uh, tour guides. <clears throat> so A-plus tours, the name of the company. Yeah, the name of the company is A-plus tours, um, and it started one of the small bragging points I, I have uh, about it is my wife started it 15 years ago, and at the time when she was trying to think of a name, 
she asked me my opinion. And 15 years ago, there were these things called phone books. Um, and so I said, well, name it A plus tours because there's a connection to the student, uh, you know, the grading. And with A plus, you'll be first thing, you know, the first <laughs> name listed in the yellow pages. Um, needless to say, I was obviously not a forward thinking business leader at the time that uh, I was thinking clearly in the past, but it, it's worked out pretty well for her so far. Did they still print? The yellow pages still exist, right? I think just for that team to rip them in half, you know, that, yeah, that yeah. team that travels around of <laughs> yeah. really strong people. Yeah. I think the sole purpose of the yellow pages is just so that one guy can rip a phone book. In at half. which point it's no use to you anymore. It's not at that point. Well, it was a good effort. So how, um, how did you get into a plus tours? Give us, can you give us a little background about sure. how you guys got started? Yeah. So I was actually a college basketball coach um, and we were looking to keep my wife at home. Uh, we were, uh, she was pregnant with our first child and we wanted to keep her at home full time. She had a background in uh, sales and marketing and worked for a retail company um, doing event marketing for malls that the retail company owned. Her mom was a teacher who was in her last year in teaching and getting ready to retire. And her mom had come home uh, from school on one of those, on one of these three day overnight field trips where she had taken her students all through the state of Georgia uh, studying Georgia's history. And she had outsourced it to a company much like our company and came home and just talked to my wife about how poorly it was done, how they had forgotten to feed him lunch one day and how the hotels weren't ready and just the lack of attention to detail this guy had. So my wife came to me and said, look, this sounds like something I could do and schedule outside of, you know, from home. I mean, it could be a company that I, I run out of the house. And my first uh, reaction to her was, that's a terrible idea. That can't be a real industry. Um, you should just sell Mary Kay like everybody, all the other stay-at-home moms. Um, Oof. long story short. Yeah, it was, uh, she luckily like much of our, uh, blissful marriage, she did not listen to me. Um, and she decided she was going to start the company. Um, because her mom was a retiring teacher, she actually hired her mom to start it with her. Um, they did it out of the house for the first few years. And because I was a college basketball coach, I was able to, um, travel with her uh, or for her, um, outside of my season. So as you can imagine, most schools and, and as a teacher, you understand most schools aren't taking field trips in December, January, and February for a variety of reasons. So usually the trips are at the beginning of the year or at the end of the year. So it just kind of worked out that I was able to take the trips and I absolutely fell in love with what, what we did. Um, yeah. It just seemed like <clears throat> watching uh, kids out in, in the field traveling uh, really resonated with me. In fact, our first trip, um, we took 10 charter buses around uh, the state of Georgia. And I'll never forget we were in um, Savannah, Georgia, at the First African Baptist Church, which is largely considered the southernmost uh, outpost of the Underground Railroad. And there was a young African-American uh, boy and a young white boy, and they were standing next to each other. And they were best friends and acting like eighth graders, right? They were smacking each other, not listening to the docent talking. And the docent explained that the holes in the wood floor were actually breathing holes where they used to keep slaves underground. Mm. Um, and I still kind of get choked up when I tell this story. I'll never forget seeing the white kid look at his friend, and it was a a sense of understanding and empathy that you don't get in a textbook. Yeah. And it was then that I realized this is something that kids should be getting on the road. This is what, where real learning takes place. So uh, wow. I continued to coach basketball for a few years and my wife uh, was able to grow the company, not through any intentional or any marketing efforts. It was just simply through word of mouth. She just did a really good job and uh, grew and grew to the point where she really was needing somebody full time. Um, so we decided uh, almost five years ago now that I would, take the leap of faith and, and join her full time. So the last five years or so, we, we have worked together out of the house. Um, viewers, you can't see it, uh, but there's no choke marks around my neck, uh, which means we're, we're making it work somehow, some way. So, yeah. So let's be clear. Are you working for your wife or? 
Um, it when, like when, maybe that yes. Well, you were happily married, Brian. And so <laughs> when you're happily anything, you realize you're always working for someone. Um, yes. In theory, I like, I like to joke around people that, uh, it took me only three interviews to convince her to give me the job. Um, but then she, uh, quite often when nobody's around, turns around and reminds me that I tend to be more bossy than she is and that I need to remember we work together and that I'm not in charge. So that's so cool that you guys are doing that together though. It's really neat. Um, how did what Mark, how did what you were doing before, how did the basketball, uh, and any previous experience you might've had, how has that helped with your running of eight plus tours or, or has it, I guess, what, you know, what's yeah. the connection? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, you know, I don't know that what I'm doing now, um, I don't know that you, that there's a degree that prepares you for it. I don't know that there's a job that prepares you for the elements of my job that I do. Um, I've had to relearn all kinds of things. So, you know, Sherry had naturally kind of fallen into this role where she was doing all the planning. She had a background in event planning. She's a highly detail oriented. So she can navigate mapping out and, and booking itineraries uh, in her sleep. And it may sound easy and daunting, but when you're looking at, you know, five and 600 kids traveling together to various sites that only accommodate 200 kids at a time, and you've got multiple groups moving through multiple cities at the same time, a lot more logistically goes into it than you would realize. Um, because she had kind of been mapping that out, you know, my job when I when I started was to kind of uh, fill in the holes that, that you know, she was missing or, or help her catch the stuff that maybe was slipping through the cracks. Um, and some of that being maybe focusing more tightly on on the finances or on marketing or um, making sure that physically I could be present on the trips and, and and help with details on the trips. And so I don't know that my previous career experience uh, was good at that. But what I'll say is uh, sometimes just getting the, the confidence to know to make the leap of faith, you can figure that stuff out later. Sure. Um, you know, you and I both are are people that enjoy studying entrepreneurs. And sometimes what's most fascinating to me is uh entrepreneurs don't often have a skill set any different than the average person. They don't often even have any more experience. They just simply are willing to jump in and, and figure things out as they go. Yeah. In terms of skills, Mark, what, what do you find is, um, what, what do you find you're sort of using the most, like what's most important right now in running a plus tours? Is, it, is sure. it the business stuff? Is it the people? Is it, you know, is it the planning? Like, what do you feel like, is sort of your um, most important skill you've had to develop. Yeah, so so I would I would say what our job is is we are in the customer service industry, right? We are no different, in my opinion, than a hotel chain or a landscape company or any other company, an oil change company. We're really and truly in, with all due respect, to people changing oil. Once you're capable of changing oil, there's probably not a major separation between people who are changing oil at elite levels and the average oil change. I mean, there's only so much to it. Right. Um, and I, I don't mean to uh, downplay what we do because I do think, you know, last week we had uh, 11 buses, uh, charter buses on the road. So we had over 600 kids on the road. Uh, we had to feed them, you know, something like 21,000 bottles of water over three days. I mean, there was quite a bit of logistics and, and willingness to work. I mean, I, I literally had to transport 2,100 bottles of water uh, from a Sam's Club in Savannah to the hotel in Savannah took me four trips. So it took me a sure. whole day almost um, to, to save money for the kids for the week. Um, so there's definitely a level of work you must do. But to me, it, getting back to my initial point there, whether you're in landscape or you're a house, I mean, sometimes it's truly just about can you 
always make sure that you're putting the customer first. Right. And I don't mean that in a position of where you're uh, always willing to like give them free stuff. And, and, and um, it, to me, it, the greater, the bigger picture is making sure that you really place what's most important first. And that is the health and safety of each and every child on the trip. Yeah. So again, landscapers, once you're cutting grass, you're cutting grass. Now, don't get me wrong. You can cut grass pretty poorly, but for the most part, once you're competent, um, what, what separates you from the average landscaper probably is always showing up on time, right? Sure. Making sure that your bills are consistent, that you're always willing to take what the, what the homeowner wants and make sure you're doing it for their lawn and just always yeah. listening and being attentive. So I would say to, to us, uh, the most important thing is making sure that we're constantly seeking out things that would take work off our teacher's plate and making sure that no matter what happens, teachers always know that A-plus tours is going to make sure safety and health is number one priority. Yeah. I th- you know, I think every time about ordinary Joes, uh, we can all relate to the fact that, you know, we've called someone to do something to the house or we've Absolutely. hired a service and, you know, eventually the service gets done, but it's that, it's that in between period or the, the personal interaction that sort of determines whether you're going to call them back or not, at least from Absolutely. my experience, I think we've all had that, you know, this may be too, a little taken it a little too far, but, um, you know, there's other companies that do what you do, right? I mean, well, yeah, you know, you'd be Brian, you'd be amazed with how many there are. I mean, just there's, there's two within 10 miles of me. And again, it's an industry that whenever anyone asks me, what do you do for a living? I try to explain it. I've, I've read every book there is on elevator pitches, but usually the better elevator pitch I give or the shorter I condense it, people just look at me more and more puzzling. Like, how do you, or you poor soul, how do you afford to feed your family? So there are a lot of competitors up here in this market. So, I mean, and, and probably they're, they're not, like you said, you're not taking a drastically different trip in regards to, man, how did, how did A plus tours get access to that, you know, church for the store, you know, like probably the, the trips are, pretty close. But so, I mean, is it, is it too much of a reach to say that at some point, um, the product becomes secondary and the people are really, I mean, maybe not secondary, maybe one A, one B, but it sounds like what you're saying is that your interaction with people is, is really what's driving this thing, how you're interacting with the teachers and the students and how you're serving them, not just the trip itself, but the, what you're giving them in your personal interaction. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I first started with Sherry, uh, one of the things that she would do is, you know, it, it would require quite a bit of work on, the, on work on the teacher's part because they'd have to collect money from all these kids for these trips. And again, Brian, being a teacher during the day, imagine your the work put on your plate, the lack of free time you have, the lack of autonomy you have. Oh, yeah. And now you're being told you've got to also be an accountant for, you know, hundreds of kids paying different incremental amounts at different times right. throughout the course of the semester. It just I just felt like it was crippling teachers. And so one of the first things we decided to do is create an online payment system where we went to the teachers and said, just trust us on this. It will take so much work off your plate. Let us handle all the payments. Um, again, not having a background, just kind of figuring out as we went, knowing that we were going to act with integrity and fidelity at all times, but just kind of trust us in this process and know that we'll make a mistake, but the mistake will not come back on a teacher. If something happens, we will make sure that uh, everything, again, is handled financially with fidelity. Um, and so we we appreciated all the trust our teachers put in us to say yes we're going to have students just go to your website and make payments um and it's it's been to me a huge huge blessing to our company because it's allowed us to honestly start kind of uh taking some of our competitors com- uh, schools um because just 
when our competitors aren't offering it. So yeah. that's been something that we've really, really tried to spend a lot of time on. Right now, we don't we don't have any trips for the next three weeks. And so this week being Thanksgiving, I had several people ask me, so what are you doing if you're not planning trips? And I thought, well, man, you must not understand, you know, what you do for a living. Your business probably has more moving parts than just what you're doing every day. Right. Um, because there's always things to be doing. And so what we'll do over the next three weeks is we'll evaluate fall. Um, we'll look at areas that we could have done a better job in terms of providing more value for the teachers than they could have ever asked for. And we'll look to implement maybe one or two ideas that we feel like can have the greater impact moving forward. So, you, Mark, you bring up a great point. I'm glad you said that. It, for me, and I mean, I'm not doing anything anywhere close to what you guys are doing in terms of business, but there's always a feel to be doing. You mm. know, I, I mean, I'll come into my office or go to the coffee shop and it's like, I don't even know what I, what I should be doing, but like there's this internal drive that says you, if you should be doing something, if you're going to be successful and it, it, I'm learning that that's uh, not right. And I got to figure that out. But how, how have you and Sherry figured out the a balance? With, I mean, it's just you two. There's, you know, there's no one to tell you to go or stop. Um, how have you worked out a balance of, you know, taking a break when you need it or, you know, knowing when to push forward, knowing when to hold back. Yeah. So, you know, the first year or so we, we did this, we had gone from, you know, this was something Sherry did and I always had a guaranteed salary from an employer to it's just us. And that first year was really rough in terms of, um, I think we laid some groundwork to make sure we were okay. But that, that first year was pretty rough in terms of, um, you know, our offices in our house. And so we would catch ourselves in here working at nine o'clock at night when we should be tucking in our kids or mm. six in the morning when, you know, we should be laying in bed or sometimes, you know, we would find a, a waiting an email and we would hear our phone ding when we we're sitting having family dinner and one right. of us will get up and we've really tried to be better at that. Um, but I also think, Brian, part of that is just becoming better at what you do. You know, the, there's a billion different books on the same idea or principle about, you know, mastery is the result of a lot of work. Um, and it's not just because you're putting in the hours. It's because, in my opinion, as I've seen, the more hours I put into anything, better and more effective and more efficient I become at it. You know, I, I give the analogy sometimes back when you and I were coaching college basketball together and the first time we went recruiting, you know, versus the last year we were there together and it became a pretty well-oiled machine because we had figured out the processes in place that took a lot of time off our plate. Sure. And so what Sherry and I have really spent a lot of time on is trying to develop processes by which we can be more efficient in our work, you know, processes by which we can be more organized. Um, and when we do something that seems to take off time or we put in something in place that we feel like that was a more effective or a more efficient way of doing it. We just say, this is the process by which we were going to do this moving forward. So that has helped, but um, I don't know that there's any microwave uh, solutions for that as much as just being very cognizant um, and conscientious of, of the work you're doing. And as you're putting in time or feeling that need to, I've got to be working, stopping being able to say, okay, well, sometimes my working isn't physically doing or isn't time invested as much as my work may be thinking about what has worked and what didn't work and eliminating the things that didn't work. Yeah. I want to come back to that, but I want to also want to get to uh, talk about recruiting and we, I got to tell the story. I want to hear your perspective because I <laughs> told this story to a number of people and uh, they always think it's funny. And I just I'm wonder if I'm uh, embellishing for the sake of humor, but uh, you sent me on a recruiting trip to um flowery branch uh georgia yeah and it was you know again 
the risk of not telling the truth. I mean, it was sometime in the winter. It was cold. It was it was December. I remember okay. it was right before the Christmas break. Okay, so it was really cold. And if I'm if I'm not misremembering, then uh, I was I was working at Chick Fil A at the time, I, I believe. And and so I mean, I just a little background is that I was I was kind of working two jobs. Um, so I go to recruit Flowery Branch in the evening after being work in the morning. Then I guess probably working at the college and then head off to do some recruiting. And, uh, I've got my, like, I don't know, my Hyundai accent, um, my GPS for this school. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, it wasn't on my phone at the time. It was one of the little like, you know, Garmin's or whatever. And it kept saying, like, I was driving past the dot on the screen that said, this is where you should be, but there was nothing there. Literally I'm looking around, there's nothing. And so I drive around, you know, for quite some time and like, Mark, I can't, I can't find this place. I don't really fashion myself a quitter, but I was like, there's this, I'm using the the, the computer. <laughs> there's nothing here. And, uh, you're like, you got to find the place and not, not in a, not in a rough way, but like, we need you, you're there, like figure the, figure this out. How are we doing on accuracy so far? Well, I, you are completely accurate, but so that the viewer at home doesn't hear me sitting in my warm uh, family room as you're being sent out in a Hyundai accent and freezing cold. I was at another school. And if I remember correctly to interject, part of maybe why you felt so compelled to do the next part of this was because I think we were killing it with recruiting, right? We had just gotten Caroline Brazier to commit her. We, we just well. gotten someone. Yeah. Um, and I was at a game locally that I was really fired up about moving forward on a kid, right? That I felt like we had our had our kind of uh, built a strong rapport with. And you were going to watch. I don't. Do you remember who you were even going to see? What no, teams you were going all, to see? Here's what I remember: is that there was it was heightened importance because yeah, there was the a reason that the coach that told you about whoever we were going to go see had told you about one of our other players who was like one of the best kids we had. That's right. That's so right. You, you know, that's you were right. like, hey. This, this person knows what they're this, talking she about. She yeah. talking about. We got to see this kid play. So, okay. So you're, you're sitting by the fire with your feet kicked up and I'm, no, 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 no. I am 15 minutes up the road at a different game is what I was trying to Were you that close? I was pretty close. I was in Gainesville or somewhere. I was okay. in, yes, North Atlanta. Okay. So I'm there by myself at Flowery Branch and can't find the place, get some encouragement to find the place. And so eventually I, I find uh flowery branch high school was the like the falcons right it, it was the practice was falcon facility no, I mean, the 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 oh they were the falcons was yes, like the falcons. yes yes so i so i finally come upon this place that has the what appears to be flowery branch uh mascot you know on a sign or something i'm like mark i think i don't know it's dark and there's a gate and there's like a uh one of those gate code things, you know, you punch in a number. But there's also a thing for you to like, you know, buzz in, which I never had to do before. Should have been, you know, the biggest red flag ever. It was like, I've never had to buzz into a high school basketball game. <laughs> um, so I buzzed in and I, 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 nobody answered, obviously. And again, I think I made another call like, hey, we've, you know, eh. like, no, we need to get in there. So I parked the Hyundai across the street, like in the woods, this is how remote this area was and, uh, climb the gate is like a, like a security fence, not like a 
chain link. Like there was there was spikes on top. Not razor wire, but like it's not a gate you're not supposed welcoming. to climb. Yeah. Yeah, not welcoming. Yeah, but I did. And as I was climbing there was a camera. Just, you know, for the record. Uh but I climbed anyways, jumped over, and it's like a big it looks like a high school campus. Although like it's dark and there's a gate um that I had to climb. So and then so when I get in there, there's like Range Rovers and I don't know, Mercedes, like very nice, expensive cars everywhere. But the place is dark, except for there's one really big building that definitely could have passed for a gym that I noticed in the corner. So I make my way over there and it's unlocked. I'm like, okay, maybe I lucked out. Like maybe I'm just on the backside and I didn't find the entrance to the high school. And I go in there and it's just like one, there's like weights and stuff and medicine balls and like ropes, like weighted ropes. And it's just a big turf area with a big Falcon logo in the middle. And I don't know if it hit me that like where I was, I just knew that I, that was not where I was supposed to be. So I, I climbed the gate again, um, got on film once more and got back in the thing and called you. It's like, oh, look, at least security saw you leaving. That's, <laughs> that's true. Uh, I think we could have argued successfully in court that you just realized you were lost. There was only 30 seconds between that's true. Security camera sightings. We could have just argued could have you argued. were lost. And as soon as you realized what you did, yeah. you left. Anyways, uh, come to find out, I think you you probably put uh, two and two together and realized that I was I had, uh, I guess, I don't want to say broken in because then I feel like I'm admitting guilt. Um, I had stumbled upon the Falcons practice facility in Flowery Branch, the football team, not the high school. Yeah. Anyways, I feel like that needed to be public record. Is that did I get that right? Because I tell a story a lot. You do? Do you? I look. There are a couple uh, funny recruiting stories that I wasn't sure where this one was going. But yes, I do recall that. Um, and we never saw the. I I, never, what I recall, I was going to say, what I recall most is you never saw the kid. Yeah, right? I, I didn't. Saw the I didn't close the deal. I mean, I don't even remember um, who it was. But look back to my point earlier. I, I I really do think that's sometimes just the key. I used to hear this all the time and get mad about it and be like, no, there's going to be a secret sauce, man. Right. You, know, you can't just work hard and get, and I don't mean to just say work hard, but sometimes success is really just putting one foot in front of the other and just not stopping. Yeah. Now, obviously you put one foot in front of the other and almost went to jail yeah, and, and still had a failure, but, but I think you understand what I mean. No, yeah. that, that was, we used to talk about that all the time with recruiting that we just were going to put more time into it and just have more fun doing it and, sit back and look at, analyze what works and what doesn't and, and keep tweaking our process until we felt like it was a well-oiled machine. So, yeah. And thanks for getting the show back on track. Um, so to kind of stick with the, I mean, the theme of the extraordinary Joe's here, like you, you and, I mean, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but just to, to clarify here halfway through, like you and Sherry, this thing was something you built. Like you didn't, it's not like, you know, you came from like a trust fund or you had a big cushion. I mean, you left your job, um, to help, you know, I mean, there was a very probably small safety net when you got into this thing, uh, when you, when you went full time, is that fair? Yes. So, uh, yeah, I would say a very small safety net. Yeah. What, and I mean, one that we had spent years building. Yeah. Um, what would you say? So you mentioned <clears throat> like, uh, sort of that first year challenges that you guys went through and you're trying to, you know, trying to figure out the balance and, what would you say to someone who is either starting a business like they're like they're in it right now or they're thinking about it? Cause I know tons of people, you know, I mean, like a ton of people have a thing, you know, like one day I want to, or 
and some of it's real and some of the people just like to daydream but for the people out there who are thinking about starting a thing or who are like kind of in the muck right now what's the encouragement to like not stop because i would imagine that at some point during that first year you could have been like it wouldn't have been too hard for you to get back into basketball or i mean you're a smart guy go do something that, like this is too much well so what's the encouragement for people who are who are there to to keep going and get into this point where they kind of figure some stuff out really long question. Um, sorry yeah and i don't know there's a piece of encouragement i would offer but but i think there you know if you were holding a gun to my head and say you've got one i i would say honestly even more important to me than keep going would be make sure you know what you're getting into um before you that start. was one of the things that we did yeah i mean we knew that when Sherry first started, uh, we, we did know that there was a market for it. You know, we, we had evidence that it was being done. Sherry did some research and found that other schools are doing these kinds of things. We had evidence because we both had traveled as students. You know, I would encourage people to make sure that they do enough market research to know that there truly is a good consumer base, that they know that there's people they can sell to. Um, because I think when you know that, then the analysis paralysis becomes a little bit easier to, to solve. You know, sure. I would say a lot of times people jump are fearful of jumping it's because they don't really know if if not if they can make something work but if something can be made to work gotcha. if that makes yeah. sense oh, yeah. you know um so I, people that i talk to that sometimes are you know whether they're wanting to get into rental property ownership or or they've got a thing that they're starting or they're wanting to start a side hustle a lot of times to me the bigger question is is when i listen to them it's less about can this person do this and more about is this an area or a market or a product or a, a job that can be performed in general consistently? Right. Um, is there a big a enough point. market to sustain this? Yeah, man, that's a great point. I never hadn't thought of it that way. I mean, just to be like completely transparent for me, when I started, um, started doing the student coaching stuff, you know, you and I've talked about this a lot. Um, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, real super quick um, reframe of that. You know, I got into, I spent my time in education. I spent my time coaching basketball and had a real passion for helping students um, figure out what they want to do with their life. And went through and got a coaching certification and started this concept of coaching with high school and college students to help them figure out who they wanted to be and how to get there before they got, you know, our age and, and said, like, what in the world am I doing with my life? Um, like a lot of people do, but what I, what I have learned is, um, I mean, I, I didn't do what you said, what you were just talking about. And it's just this, I want to say like a passion, but it, I mean, it was something that I felt strongly about and it felt like a need and, uh, it may very well be a need, but then the question becomes, you know, does the market see it that way? And yeah. so when you yeah. talk to, you know, and I, and, and really the answer to that only, only comes when someone pays for it right like people right. could even say like and they have oh it's a great idea you know everyone needs this um but it's also a lot less tangible than you know sort of the traditional offering so it's been a much harder uh sell to parents and then you know more importantly the students have to be involved to do it so it's yeah yeah it's there's great there's point. different questions there's two different questions i hear between everyone needs that or is this a need and will the will the consumer purchases yeah. you know um, there's a lot of things that i think we would all agree in society that need to be done or that, that should be done but then when it comes time to ante up it's like oof, yeah but we don't want to you know whether it's, we don't want to pay for it or we don't want to be the one to foot the bill and right. i think sometimes with with some jobs you know going back to the coaching thing everyone thinks that's a great idea you know everyone thinks 
better sports coaching is better. You know, everyone wants their kid to play for the best coach they can. Sometimes it's weighing that, oof, is it worth paying for a coach that's sure. a licensed professional coach? So that would be my biggest encouragement to anyone starting is, is it's, it should be less about doubting yourself or questioning yourself. And I would start with questioning, is this a viable product that has a, or service um, that has a viable market? And how can I prove to myself that this, there's a strong enough market? Yeah. And if there's a strong enough market, honestly, anyone willing to put in the work and act with integrity is, can make it work. There's two, I'll try and put these in the show notes. There's two great resources that come to mind when you talk about that. Um, Pat Flynn is a, a blogger, I mean, a podcast guy uh, who does uh, Smart Passive Income. And he wrote a book called Will It Fly? And I believe it centers around the same concept of like, it does, yeah. is this going to work? Um, and then there's a really great story. I wish I could. I wish I could quote the book and the people, but I'll, I'll put again. I'll put in the show notes. Um, the, the whoever came up with the idea for the Segway. Remember the Segway where you like lean. It's like a person. Do I like, remember the Segway? <laughs> so it's like this I remember thing. Paul Blard. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, it's like a. I think it's like a person propelled. Like I don't even think it has power. I'm not sure, but I think like the body makes it. The go. Segway. Yeah. The Segway has to have power. Are you sure? Well, I mean, what what power would a person put in? Like somehow they're... you like lean forward and it goes forward. Is it like a battery? Yeah, but it still has power. Is there like a battery it... attached? We need to edit this part out because I feel like that's I'm, a great I'm, question. I need Do to, we? I should be more knowledgeable about the segue. But anyhow, I look, I think I think if anything makes us ordinary Joes, it's this, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, extraordinary okay, Joes. So ordinary Joes are the guys from the gym in that movie, right? I'm the ordinary, and you're the extraordinary. That's how the show. I don't works. know anything about that, but so this, anyway, anyway, the, the segue. This guy makes a segue and all these people like brilliant minds and I don't want to say their name because I, I don't remember the exact names, but like brilliant people were like pouring money into the Segway. They're like, this thing's going to change transportation. Like people are going to go to work on the Segway, all this. I mean, brilliant people betting huge on the Segway and it just bombed. Like yeah. whatever numbers this guy had, they were like, you know, one tenth of the numbers now that the Segway was produced. So anyways, and the story goes, they they just jumped on this train of like innovation, and it's a, I mean, it's a brilliant concept, mm -hmm. um, but the market didn't didn't care about it. Anyways, uh, I'll put those in the notes for the listeners who want to check some of that stuff out. Okay, Mark, what's the uh, what's the best part of owning your own business? Yeah, that's an easy one, Brian. The autonomy to be able to make a decision, know that there's something that would be better done this way and do it. That was the hardest part about me as an employee was knowing that there's a better way to do things yeah. and going to my boss and hearing the phrase, this is the way we've always done it. Um, to me, there's nothing that is more crippling of innovation or a bigger energy suck out of employees than when you have employees who are engaged, creating solutions and being told no. Yeah. How about the worst part or the most, uh, maybe I should say the most challenging part. Um, I would say those are two different questions. Worst, most challenging. Yeah, I don't mind answering both. So you don't have to okay. The, the most challenging is just, um, you know, as a small business, we're in a position where, uh, you know, I've got to wear many hats and I'd like to be able to hire to, to help fill some of those hats. And as you grow, making sure you make the right decisions on hiring and making sure that you're delegating the right work and that you're keeping the right work and that you're, know working as a as a business owner and and not staying focused solely as a business operator um i would say the worst part for me is you know i'm a person who 
has a wife and two children that I'm responsible for, and not to mention I'm responsible for uh, a lot of students on these trips and a lot of teachers on these trips. And so, you know, I've got to find a way to do a better job of making sure that when I put my head on my pillow, I can close my eyes and, and feel assured that uh, I'll get a good night's sleep and wake up the next morning rested. Yeah. Um, again, for people who are listening, who might be interested in starting a business or, you know, there's, there's a, um, one, one concept is that, you know, sort of run, run your, you know, side hustle is a common term or, you know, start this business while you're still in your current job. I mean, and you got, you sort of did that, right? I guess the share. Yeah. Is working yeah. Your yeah. Um, That's fair. <clears throat> so, I mean, that takes a little stress out of the, I guess the financial side, or we got to make this work because you have, you're, you're running your other job at the same time. Where do you mm-hmm. stand on the, like, I mean, I guess the market question it comes into play here. Where do you stand on the, like, you know, Hey, if you're going to go for it, you go for it versus like, let's build this thing out slowly. Well, I think it would be unfair for me to sit here and say, if you're going to go for it, go for it. But that's not what I did. You yeah. know, um, I would say the path that we took that I think is the path that you're referencing where a lot of people are saying, start a side hustle and keep your nine to five. It worked for us. It minimized some of the inherent risk. Um, it allowed us not to live in a state of analysis paralysis, wondering if we should jump ship and it allowed us to kind of slowly get into this um, and then know the right time. Okay. Now we have enough, enough need uh, and enough business to fully go commit hundred percent to it. I, I think from our path, it was the right way to go. I don't know that I can say it's the right way to go for everyone's sure. path. Um, but I think for our path, for those people that say, you know, I've done this service or I've provided this product and I'm doing well on it. I don't know that I'm good. I'm doing well enough to sustain myself full time. I would say maybe that's good enough for now and just keep plugging away and trying to grow incrementally and you'll know when it's the right time. Yeah. All right, Mark. Uh, last question. What's next for a plus tours? What's on your, maybe I should say this. What's on your horizon? Well, office reference. I, I'm going to, I'm going to botch the quote is, does he say nothing's on my horizon, but everything, I, everything's I on my horizon. Um, there's nothing on my horizon, but everything, Brian. Um, those of you who, uh, both of the listeners to this podcast, um, <laughs> if you haven't watched the episode or Dwight of, of the office where Dwight Trude is looking for a new job because he quit Dunder Mifflin, you should, it, there's about a two minute beginning where Dwight rambles off four or five of his best quotes of the, of the series. Yeah, if you get nothing else from the um, podcast, then that was worth it. Yeah. So Brian, uh, I think our processes over the last four to five years have been, um, ironed out in a lot of regards. And I think we're at the point where we have a lot more capacity to grow quickly. Um, that's kind of been our point was, um, this is year four for us full time. And we had kind of made some, some points of demarcation of at this point, we want to be here at this point, we want to be here. And we've kind of reached all those goals. And so, at this point, we're, we're having some discussions about maybe looking to buy out one of our competitors. Um, it just seems like that's a much uh, a much quicker path to the growth that we think we can handle uh, than slow, continued incremental growth. So um, it is our hope in the next two to three years to be able to purchase one of our competitors um, in, a, in a fair deal that allows one of our, you know, one of the other competitors to kind of uh, be done in the industry, but feel like their business and their customers will continue to be taken care of. Um, we'd like to be able to hire a couple more people um, to do to do some of the work that allows us to kind of again sit back and, and look at the business from a thirty thousand foot view rather than um, being in the in the trend in the weeds every day. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're looking to go. Awesome, um, 
Mark, where can, if people are interested in learning more about you or connecting with you uh, or your company, what is, you got Twitter, Instagram, Wolf, Facebook? <laughs> um, Brian, I think, you know, I don't have any uh, social media accounts. And every time at the end of these podcasts, they always say, um, where, where can people reach you? And they give them all their, like, D, what is it, DM? Or they give them all their, I think you're going to have to call me, guys. Um, if there is anyone that wants to talk, feel free to call me. Uh, my website is aplus-tours.com. My cell phone number's on there. My office number's on there. My email's on there. Feel free to reach out. As far as social media, um, I know that that's a big faux pas. Um, we spend a, and wasted a lot of hours trying to do it and realize that teachers aren't buying through social media. So it's something that makes people outside of consumers look like you're growing and doing big and you're a big deal. Um, if it doesn't affect our bottom line, I'm not going to spend too many hours wasting time doing nice. it. Nice. So aplus-tours.com? Dot com, yeah. A plus hyphen or dash tours dot com. Sherry, actually, funny story, then I'll, I'll let you go. But uh, Sherry, when she started this 15 years ago, one of my first recommendations, you got to get a website. So her and her mom had another teacher. That, the um, Yellow Pages thing? At the same time, okay. same time. Uh, this was a little bit better of an idea. Okay. Um, her and her mom hired one of the schools that they worked with, one of the like uh, tech people, you know, like the library tech or whatever it's called. A person at the school to design a website. And it looked a lot like the Dunder Mifflin original <laughs> website, you know. Um, and then they just didn't renew it one year. And so A plus tours was taken by another company uh, who is no longer even a company. Um, but they just will not sell me the website. So, uh, one of the things that, you know, I'm going to go back and say the thing I hate most about, or the thing I dislike the most about my job is having to give people my website, a www.aplus-tours.com. I'm hoping eventually the guy changes his mind as we want to sell me his website. All right. So hopefully, um, uh, you'll, maybe we can generate some business out of this thing for you. That'd be nice. Mark, seriously, nice. Uh, I really appreciate you joining us. And again, the, the purpose of the podcast is to, I mean, I don't know if this is offensive to you or not, but to talk to, you know, ordinary folks um, who are doing neat things. And I think people who who listen in will get a glimpse of what it looks like to run a business, um, family business, you know, to kind of take this thing from the ground up and, and get it going and get a feel for the challenges and also the possibilities. So thanks for being so candid and, and sharing your thoughts on the business. And uh, I know that our listeners will, will appreciate uh, having heard from you. Thanks so much, Brian. All right. Talk to you next time. Thank you so much for joining us on episode one of Extraordinary Joe's with my good friend, Mark Eisenhower of A plus tours. Um, hope you enjoyed uh, hanging out with us and hearing from an ordinary guy, just like you and me who's trying to do some interesting things with his life and his career uh, with his business. If you want to learn more about some of the topics we discussed, you can check out the links through the show notes and look forward to hanging out with you guys on episode two. Thank you again for your support and I'll talk to you next time.